Hi, I'm Shivam. Hi, I'm Izzy. And this is Phoenix Chat. Where one of us can read. Which one? You, you find, find out. Welcome to a, another episode of Phoenix Chat. Today we're doing something a little bit different with a special guest star, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Elliot, curator of the blog doc, the fan blog for Boondock. Hello, Elliot. <laughs> Why are you here today? Uh, I don't know. I just got kidnapped and it was like really dark for a little yeah. while and then I yeah. opened my eyes and I was here. I am holding him at gunpoint <laughs> while we decide to uh, talk a little bit about Boondock, um, considering that uh, we have now talked about your full arc here, and uh, yeah. <laughs> my entire um, character arc. If you give in to my demands, you will be released safely <laughs> into the world. Yuki will not be harmed. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, now at the end of it all, we, you built this character, god, um, how many months ago was it now? Uh, I think we started in... November? Fe November, oh shit. Yeah, November. Uh, so like four, that, like five months Six, four, five, 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 five months five, ago. Five. Final we answer. count. <laughs> yeah, um, so... I remember I, I just kind of came up to you, I'm like, hey, I'm playing another D&D campaign, you want in? And then, like, uh, you're just like, yeah, of course. And then, like, um, I think the first thing you started out with was, like, the idea for a bard, and then, like, from there, um, I kind of gave you, like, some suggestions, like, uh, oh, like, maybe make it, like, way different from your last character, uh, if you want to go into... Well, actually, you didn't say that. that. I said that. And then you mm -hmm. think you said it. <laughs> um, I know, uh, you said, oh, hey, I want to do D&D, and I said... I want to play a bard, because I love bards, just as a concept, and I'd never had the chance to, like, actually play one as long as I'd been playing D&D for. Um, I'd, I'd made a bard in Pathfinder years ago when my brother was running Pathfinder, but um, the character kind of flopped in the team that he was in, and then I couldn't attend the campaign anymore, because brother graduated and went to college so no i really never got to i only got a fleeting taste of the bard and i had wanted <laughs> to return to the devil's waters ever since <laughs> oh, man. side question after playing boondock how much of your vocabulary has been replaced by westernisms like the devil's I water think it's, it's always been like that shiva i've just awakened it's, it <laughs> yeah you just notice it now <laughs> yeah, so, um, and when you think of Bard, I think the last thing I think of is Boondock's character, so... No, Boondock's, Boondock you wouldn't think is a Bard, but, like, honestly, um, I'm kind of a nerd for, like, traditional Bardic culture, and if you understand, I guess, what a Bard's, like, traditional roles were, it makes a little bit more sense. Should I elaborate on that? Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, so, um, in traditional senses, bards weren't necessarily music players or even performers. Um, there were storytellers, and in fact, they were really more of a land's lore keepers. Uh, in Ireland, and this is kind of a, sadly a dying art, they have, um, each small town will have their own lore keeper who remembers their folk stories, and in their and, and it's a, a verbose verbatim um, retelling in their traditional language of the folk stories. And the language is dying, the art is dying. It's super sad, but it keeps alive the individual like folk heroes of each tiny little town, and. And each, it's one person, and they'll pass it down to an apprentice once they get to a certain age. And it's really just a, a way to carry on their legacy, and it really keeps the uh, history of some very small parts of land alive. Yeah, no. I, as soon as you explained that to me, I was, like, just extremely on board for it, because, like, you originally said, like, the idea of, like, um, the, a cow person, uh, bard, and I'm just kind of like, oh, haha, it's kind of just, like, a, just a, a, a combination you wouldn't expect, but then, like, as soon as you explained to me, like, no, that actually does actually make a lot of sense why Boondock like, is a bard. Yeah, Boondock um, is a lore keeper. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I, I love that concept so, so much. Um, yeah, so, the, we, we start off with the initial, just like, uh, Western folk hero, and then from there, um, the initial idea I had for the uh, campaign was that um, there's three guilds, and all of them are, like, either lawful, neutral, or, like, chaotic. Um, and so, I, I think you, were you the first person to choose with uh, lawful there, or? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. at that point, I essentially I said I want to play a bard, and then I I hadn't ever like done Western tropes, and you said you wanted to make uh, Phoenix Heart more of a culturally diverse place, and I was like, well, there's, I've never seen Western stuff, and I I watched too many Westerns growing up, so the, the brain rot kind of set in. <laughs> oh man. Uh... Yeah, so yeah, we did an initial, like, western theme, then how'd you start figuring out, like, Boondock's character? Character. Um, I knew I wanted to have... I think the pieces I had at that point were a bardic lore keeper, western, needs to be some sort of hero, and... I think I had the, the uh, race at that point, but honestly I didn't really consider that too deeply, it was just more of a joke than anything. Um, yeah. So I think at that point I kind of laid out for myself some really classical western folk hero tropes, and at that point there's like the legend who's like, um, I guess more of a uh, Clint Eastwood style western hero who's just like bigger than life, uh, everybody looks up to him, like good, good dad energy. Um, there's some more tragic Western heroes, and I'd be hard-pressed to name examples because I'm terrible at names and titles. Um, who is... There's always, like, this, uh, kind of love of gray morality in Westerns, where, like, the heroes doing good things for everybody, but the means may not be so great. And then, of course, there's always, like, the villains, but they're never more than just a couple of tropes and, uh, very 2D characters. 
I decided to go with the middle one because, uh, I don't know, I didn't think I would have fun playing a very, a super, like, happy-go-lucky character. So I decided to pick more of a tragic one, and then I could, and then I uh, folded in some more. Tra How far are you guys in? Can I can I do uh, the whole like dead dad? Oh, thing? we, um, <laughs> we basically have talked about everything but like Boondock fully, like lore dumping their backstory. So if you want to go into that, like the, the rest of the podcast, just go lore dump on everybody. Yeah, no, like, we, we literally are going to talk about that, like, right after we finish oh, interview. Oh, shit. So, yeah. Well, well, it's not, it's, I don't think it's a secret at this point that Boondock's dad is dead. No. So, yeah. that's kind of... I read Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind yeah. of a, <laughs> a big Western trope. So, I made that a core characteristic to Boondock, and then the rest of it kind of fell into place after that. Yeah, then you got this character who really looked up to someone who was that first trope of Western here. Like, someone who's, like, larger than life, they look up to, built the town from the ground up, lost that person really young in their life, and then is now upholding those beliefs to the ends of the world. Everyone else be damned. And I think then I folded in a little bit of the, uh, the guild lawful good. That's when I decided, okay, this character is really hard lawful good. Yeah. <laughs> and I decided, well, um, so far, Boondock doesn't have a super solid personality. I guess they have, they have like, a normal personality, but I wanted to play a D&D &D character, so like, okay, what if I took that lawful good and I pushed it just a little bit further? Because the trauma's gotta go somewhere, and what trauma <laughs> yeah. does is it takes some characteristic and it pushes it just a little bit further than it should be. So it's like, okay, lawful good, because that is what their dad purported, the laws, and that's the role that they filled after that death. Um, I'm just gonna push that right up to the uncomfortable zone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and, and then Boondock was complete, the oven dinged, and I pulled out my crispy new character. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, just real quick, I, I do just want to know, because you said, like, the, the satyr thing was, like, kind of a joke. Oh, um, it was totally just a meme. Yeah. I, I think, like, initially when you, like, first, like, uh, said the character, you're like, uh, oh, I'm gonna play, like, a character with hooves, um, and then you, you said the joke, like, you really wanted there to be a joke in the campaign, I, unfortunately I couldn't, like, fit it in, but, like, like the is classic it a, is western... Like, like, this cow, like, quote-unquote cowboy? Um, I, I thought <laughs> Am, it was... Do they have actual cows there? <laughs> is it a cannibalism? Boondock eats a cow? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, that, but, like, the trope of, like, the the western hero riding into town on a horse, and, like, you just see, like, the, the hoofs, uh, like, hitting yeah. the ground, um, and as we just, like, pan out, we just see, like, it's just Boondock walking, he's not the <laughs> horse in any way, shape, or form. Yeah! <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, yeah, cutting to you here, Izzy, um, so, yeah, it, yeah, Elliot had this idea and, like, introduced this character really early. What were your, like, first impressions on this, like, very unique bard? See, I love when characters are made and they are not supposed to go together, but then they somehow do. 
Like, my roommate and I make unconventional D&D characters all the goddamn time. Like, we have a barbarian Aarakocra chicken man. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I initially didn't know what to think about everybody's characters because I was just still kind of like feeling out like how everyone is going to play and like all of this other stuff so I didn't really get a chance to get a grasp of what Boondock really was until we started to play and then I was like oh my god we're going to butt head so fucking much and I was so excited what's really funny is that they haven't truly butted heads until very recently very recently yeah yeah well Tension, tension. I, I will beg to differ here, and I'll say that uh, I think Boonda kind of butted heads with Juliet a little bit when Juliet decided to grave rob their dad. That yeah, so I guess was into... that was outside of Juliet. That's fair. They um, Boondock has butted heads with Juliet has butted heads with Boondock, but Boondock has not butted heads with Juliet. Yeah, that's fair. The federal law breaking. Boondock's just doing their job. Okay, that that that's was that. Okay. That's fair. That one got pretty close. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think you actually said like if, if Juliet hadn't kind of done like her big like heroic sacrifice at the end of this, like weren't you gonna like really start to kind of like lay into Juliet like a little bit afterwards or something? Not really. I don't think that would be the impetus. I think it, the convincing had already happened. And that was that Juliet had skill and intelligence behind it all, and that they knew that she and the rest of the party, frankly, were the only ones who could capture Legion at this point. Because they all have the knowledge that they need to track her down. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so, um, this whole big, like, western arc, and, like, um, a, th- again, like, your, your whole western arc was very made for you, but, like, I'm, I'm really <laughs> hoping you. that, like, everyone Thank else you. also kind of a- enjoyed playing into all those, like, western tropes, uh, riding out at time, that whole thing. Everyone got a hat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for um, playing, uh, Thank you for playing into my Kid Nation dreams. <laughs> yeah, that was my inspiration for I the think, town. This is some dark. This is some deep lore. But um, when I was a kid, me and my dad watched Kid Nation together, and we like legit seriously considered sending me to it. Mm-hmm. God, this is an obscure reference. <laughs> um, my God, though. Um, you know, I, I guess this is for both of you then. So like. Um, what were you guys' like favorite like Western tropes that kind of happened during the arc, and like did you guys like want any other Western tropes that were uh, that that could have happened or should have happened? <laughs> Izzy, you want to go first? You want me to go? I wanted a actual Mexican standoff, mm. so damn bad, but with <laughs> like uh maybe Boondock or Ma Boondock and. Reverend Soul or like Mr. Soul, that would have been so fucking dope. However, we did take a god to trial, and I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually mine. Yeah, I I agree, Izzy, one thousand percent. Um, um, I think my favorite part was actually taking the god to trial. I know that's mm-hmm. that in and of itself is not a Western trope. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, gonna say. Like this is my town. These are my laws. 
Mm-hmm. Just taken to an absolute ridiculous level. I think it also showed a lot about Boondock's character. Like, the fact that they can literally stare down a god and yeah. take them to trial. Like, holy High shit. High key, when I, when I made this character way the hell back... Holy shit. When I made this character way the hell back in November... The um, thing I wrote, I like never fill out the personality traits of my character. I've started doing it and I really enjoy it. My only thing in personality traits is I could steer down the devil himself without a flinch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, okay, the scene happened. And it was like, well, this god appears and tries to intimidate you. And I go, no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> You know, I think we even played on that too because, like, I I said like, oh, um, how is Boondock gonna react to like uh, magical like um, frightened effects and stuff like that? Because like, you're eventually going to like get hit by one of those because Boondock. Oh yeah, I think we we even changed the satyr ability. So instead of resisting spell saving throws, um, pretend that made sense the way I said it. We changed it (laughs) to uh, an ability called Unshakable, where I just can't be frightened or feared. Yeah, no. Which is like... pretty similar, given most frightens and fears are magical. But right, right. yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I really like that one. Um, it, it, it just like so much of your character is just being able to like stare down it's these so horrible. Much <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, um, and I guess we kind of did get a little bit of that Mexican standoff because like. The Karen staring down Boondock as all of you guys were cowering inside the house. Like, that was the closest we kind of got to the hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you yeah, know, like, it, it was honestly just one of my favorite moments was just that trial scene. Because never in a million years did I think that thing would end that way. I thought, here was the two options. Either Essence says no to the Kieran, and the Kieran's pissed off, and uh, the Kieran's spell save DC goes, like, way up. Or, um... Essen kind of, like, sneaks away and tries to, uh, kill Reverend Salt without Boondock knowing, and then Boondock just pissed off at Essen, um, until they eventually have some kind of heart-to-heart there. Um, I thought those were the only two ways that was gonna go down. <laughs> Boondock says no. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, like, that. even further, like, the whole problem in Hope's Lightning was sort of, kind of, perpetuated by Boondock. Because they refused to take anyone to trial who they didn't have, like, absolute proof they'd committed a crime. And because they were doing, like, just shady business practices and, like, things that couldn't really be pinned down as a crime, they got away with a lot more than they should have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that because, like, um, the, the moment where you, like, arrested Reverend Salt, like, that was, wasn't, was like, something where it's, like, um, Boondock's just doing this because, like, they're the lawful good sheriff. There was just, like, a personal stake where they just kind of, like, were hoping and praying, I think, that, like, this was the one thing that they could finally bust, like, Reverend Salt for. Yeah, yeah, they had to arrest him for murder, which wasn't the thing that Boondock wanted to arrest him for. <laughs> But yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> oh my god. Um, like, Boondock as a person is pissed, but Boondock as, like, a moral core that takes up so much of this character can't do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, um, 
Seeing as we're going into like the backstory dump uh, at the rest of this, do you actually want to just like explain your whole speech that you gave to the party about like um, why everything was uh, or why Boondock is a lot of the the way they are? Am I am I redoing the dark speech? Yeah, that's like, hell yeah, dude. Speech. Well, we cue like a bunch of sad music, <laughs> <laughs> and um, on the way out of Pope's Landing, and. I think I think it's worth mentioning why Boondock chose to leave Hope's Landing, and kind of goes back to the reason why they spared Juliet. Uh, Legion was now something that had taken a chunk out of Hope's Landing larger than anything ever before, and was growing to be a bigger threat to the greater the, the greater humanity of Phoenix Art. I think it's called Odyssea. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's where Boondock put aside, okay, other people can take care of Hope's Landing for now. If I want to keep this place safe for the better <laughs> future, I should probably go with the guild people. Um, so as they're leaving, um, Reverend Salt is dead, Mr. Salt is dead, uh, the trial has been had, a lot of stuff went down, Lucky's the sheriff now. Um, well, they've been through a lot as a group, and Boondock will decided to tell the party, like, what happened to their dad, because, you know, Juliet grave-robbed him, <laughs> and they kind of know that he's dead, but never really got an explanation, and Boondock's really only shared the story in part to Ma, and people have a general idea of what happened, but not the, the meaty, meaty details. And Boondock explains that, like, as a child and a young teen, they would go out on, uh, essentially bandit raids, where bandits would be either, they'd take over a wagon, carting supplies to and from the town, the train sometimes, or there'd be people who were running in to, like, mess with people in town, or shoot off, or something like that. Uh, Boondock's dad would be alerted, and then he'd go out, and once Boondock was old enough, take Boondock with him, and go take care of the bandits. So usually bandits uh, don't, and criminals in general don't, aren't looking for a confrontation. So when they see the sheriff, who's like a seven foot tall train, show up, and his, like, six-foot-tall child <laughs> um, wielding, like, sawed-off shotguns, uh, they usually just run. And if anyone does get a little uh, ballsy and attempt to do something about it, you know, uh, Sheriff Boondock is the fastest shot in the West, and uh, can take a few hits, too, so uh, there, it, it was really a, a low-stakes game. So there was one day when Boondock- I think we decided uh, they were 14 when this happened, 13, 14. Yeah. Um, they went out to do a call and uh, it ended up where uh, the, they had already taken a wagon and they figured that it would be worth the confrontation, stupidly, to fight the sheriff and his son. So, uh... They got off in a standoff, and as that was happening, there was just a freak shot that happened, and it hit 
Boondog's dad just in a really unlucky location and killed him. And because they'd already been out for most of the day, uh, and Boondog didn't know a lot of magic at that point because they're still like really young and training. Boondog's dad couldn't heal himself because he was knocked out. Boondog couldn't heal him because Boondog didn't know enough healing magic at that point, or really any at all. And Boondog had no choice but to take on the bandits for themselves. And because they were three miles from home, drag their dad's unconscious and then dead corpse back into town. And that was really just a really long, dark time for Boondog. A lot of bad introspection. Yeah. Um, and I believe you went on to say, like, you know, once that happens to you, like, nothing frightens you anymore. Yeah, that was the whole thing, like, you know, you know, I stared down that god, but, you know, that's nothing, because once, once you, A, see that happen, and B, have to stare it down for that long, you don't get scared anymore. You, you put that part of yourself so far deep inside that it never is accessed again. Yeah, um, and that's also part of why just like seeing your dad's guitar for just like the first time again once Julia brought it back out, just like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, that sorry. was that was the one thing that could touch that because like Ma buried that in uh, the mausoleum with with Boondock's dad to keep all of that sealed away because it all it just was not good for Boondock and. Seeing that for the first time in those six years, kind of, is the one thing that could touch that part of his their brain and bring a little bit of that back. Thanks, Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought I was I was doing a good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, guys, drama. look! I found this legendary weapon that looks a lot like Boondock's legendary weapon. <laughs> I am stupid, okay? I didn't Oh, also, it. Boondock, why is there only two satyrs in town? Don't you have, like, a dad or something? <laughs> Handing over the gun tar? Boondock's screaming internally. <laughs> you know, in a way, I think this was a good thing that this happened. Because oh, yeah. it made Boondock realize, like, yes, I actually do need to step up a like, you know, it, it made me like realize that they had to process that. Mm-hmm. That and like in on the the entire wagon ride and afterwards, the the, the thing that happened after that shall not be mentioned because of spoilers. <laughs> it, it, it's it's all just a journey to realize that sometimes like even if it's hard, you have to process and reckon with things. And realize they have an impact on you, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and then you need to take that apart to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, and especially really, like, just, like, because Juliet started, like, awakening that and, like, you know, forcing those thoughts to just, like, come back to mind, like, Boondock was definitely, like, kind of plagued by those thoughts as they, like, rode out towards uh, the mines, but then, like, seeing their dad again and, like, having their dad explain to them just like they deserved so much more than just like a town full of troubles and a gun to heart 
um, it, it really kind of just, like, helped Boondock, like, start, like, moving forward a little bit past that, I think. Yeah, like, Juliet to... had a very specific skill set that really was helpful for Boondock. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that really built a strangely strong foundation for a friendship between them. Yeah. The weirdest of friendships. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, like... There's a very real chance, like, if Julia hadn't done, like, all of those things, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, I, I just don't think, see any reason that you two would get along in any sort no, of capacity. No, no, they'd be yeah, very, yeah. much more reluctant friends. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, like, the first, like, foundations of just, like, you two, like, becoming friends. Um, also worth mentioning, then, uh, probably the last thing we can probably touch on, then, is the Guntar. So, um... Going into Phoenix Heart, I definitely just, like, had the idea of, like, okay, it's, it's more like a steampunky kind of thing, so, like, um, there's going to be guns in the world, the guns are going to be, like, pretty, like, good oh, to use and viable Oh, yeah, weapons. I remember when we, when we started, you told me you wanted to be more, like, scientifically advanced, and you did mention steampunk, and I think that's where it put the idea of Western in my head. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's steampunk cyberpunk on one end, western on the other is like, oh, I'll just, uh, send me to the countryside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, no, so, uh, because I think the first idea you had was that, like, because you really wanted the, your bard weapon to be, like, uh, or your, your bard instrument to also be a weapon. I think the first idea you had was a knifolin. <laughs> yeah, the knifolin. Yeah, yeah, it was gonna- I was thinking, okay, Western, uh, like, there's the fiddle trope, because every time I think Western, my brain goes straight to Devil and down to Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Nifelin. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Nifel is what the bard I played Pathfinder in had, too. S somewhat. Because I, I just wanted the weapon and the instrument to be combined. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so we eventually figured out, like, the club, but then you said you really wanted, like, guns in some sort of capacity, which was rough because, um, Boondock has no dexterity, and so basically just can't shoot a gun because they're ranged weapons. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, the thing we eventually settled on was, like, shotguns are, like, a very easy way to, like, use, uh, strength instead of dexterity, because, like, yeah, you definitely Yeah, I think we flavored it, because the- you don't really- I, I think it's specifically Sonoff shotgun- you don't really aim a sawn-off shotgun besides point it in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> and and especially if it's just like a souped-up one, like, i.e. in a gun part, the kickback is what you need to withstand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, yeah, you gave me, and I think that's a good thing on DM, uh... <laughs> Give, give a short applause to Shivam for working with me on that. <laughs> Giving give oh, me thanks. an option that I enjoyed the flavor of that worked mm -hmm. with my character build. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, we had to do some struggling to get your character build to work because just like you need strength but you also need dexterity as a bard but you also need like constitution because you're kind of a tank and like charisma because you're like a main spellcaster really. Yeah. Just, like... <laughs> yeah, I played a Valor Bard so I could not use dexterity. So then that then the club the club and the sawn off shotgun became my weapons. Yeah. All the same weapon. Yeah, and then um <laughs> I dumped every smart stat. 
<laughs> so Boondock has a negative one in dex, wisdom, and intelligence. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but but they're charismatic, and that's that's important for my uh, my my bard western hero. Yeah. It still shakes me that Juliet has the fucking highest intelligence in yeah. the fucking group. <laughs> I'm. What's her wisdom? I don't know. Hold on. That way, I think like... it's negative one. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, that would make sense. But yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those things where, like, negative we, we really need to just kind of struggle with the build. Because, like, um,. I really wanted you to be a strength-based character, too, because, like, literally everyone else was really good at dexterity, and we had no one at strength, and, like, as hilarious as it would be to just, like, put a big rock in your guys' way and watch as all of you guys struggle and cry because you can't lift it, <laughs> we needed one character to at least be just, like, really good at it. And also, like, you, ha you have that uh, expertise in athletics, too, so, like... Yeah, I made Boondock the beefiest as humanly possible. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I think oh, my, yeah. my favorite character scene, I guess outside of Hope's Landing, was when we were fighting the Minotaur. <laughs> I love that so much. Boondock locks horn with the Minotaur, and with my like plus nine athletics at the time, just absolutely grapples the shit out of it, and then I just push it out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just this absolute brickhead. <laughs> this oh this is God. so it, it was so like quintessential boondock. Yeah. Oh, um and one last thing. Comparatively so, you've been in a D D campaign with me before, and you also have like just a whole bunch of other OCs, so how is Boondock compared to all the other OCs you've made? Because, like, compared to your last D&D &D character, I was shook when you, like, <laughs> started to roleplay Boondock for the first time. If you want to explain a little more yeah, about that. Yeah, let me let me give you the dissertation. <laughs> so, um, I've been doing uh, anything from, like, text-based roleplays to Pathfinder D&D 3.5, the D&D 5e, which... Someone will sue me for this, but is my favorite so far. And, um, I've been doing that since I was, like, 11. <laughs> so at least a decade now. Um, mostly text-based, so they're freeform. Um, Boondock themselves is not super outside of the realm of what I've played. Uh, with my D&D characters, I have been trying to like try out more realistic but a little bit out there personalities mm -hmm. which is which is where the hyper lawful goodness comes from and i usually will niche them i'll ask other people to make their characters first and then fill up whatever niche isn't there and that, that way i found that i have more fun playing a character who fills a niche than one who is just a personality that i wanted to play because it gives uh, better options for interaction. Mm -hmm. Um. I, yeah, they are. They are. I usually don't play lawful good characters, so they are a little bit outside of what I've usually played. I know. I remember when I was the first couple of sessions, when she even would ask me like, "Hey, what do you want to do for your arc? What do you want to do for this?" Like, I would. He would give me like what his plans were, and I'd be like, "No, no, no, that doesn't fit Boondock's personality." Because he was thinking of it as like chaotic character. 
<laughs> it was so weird. I was like, no, no, that won't work. Um, we got around to it pretty quickly, but it was yeah. funny to see. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. my the last character I'd played was Chaotic Evil. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he started off as Chaotic Good, and then he went to Chaotic Neutral, and then at the end we're just like, I guess he's Chaotic Evil now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was an extremely chaotic character. Just uh, mm. really, really just lived by his own rules, didn't want to take flag from anybody, wanted to do his own thing and not really live under anyone's guidance or help. <laughs> so Boondock's really a hard turn from that. And I, I, yeah, I guess he's a little bit outside of what I usually play. I have, most of the characters that I play are chaotic, just because that's like, the fun thing, I guess. But yeah, playing a lawful yeah. character was... So far, it's been really fun, and I like it, and I might make a couple more in the future. Yeah. But, yeah, having, being able to switch between two extremes, especially one after the other for characters, I think is more, more fun, because I don't get used, quote-unquote, to a niche. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, those first couple of sessions, just two boys shook me, because, like, I... It, it wasn't even just, like, your previous D&D character, I think... And this is a bit of a call-out post here. Um, all of your previous OCs that I've seen, and even some of like, your OCs after Boondock, have all been chaotic twinks. Um, <laughs> Not all of them are twinks. Most. Percentage. Give me a percentage right now. Uh, um... It's over how, 50. It's definitely over I, 50. I don't... How do I give you a percentage? Give me an estimate right now at a percentage of how many of your uh, characters are twinks. Well, okay, the girls aren't twinks. I because that's not how this works. <laughs> Is Demonge a twink? Absolutely. No. I don't think Sparrow was a twink. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Sparrow gives me himbo vibes. Yeah, Sparrow's himbo, but... <laughs> Squinting, uh... <laughs> Sparrow's not a twink. <laughs> we, we still definitely have the chaotic flavor, though, for all of those characters you've listed off. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're all the same characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, no, this is so violently different from everything you've done. Oh, yeah, and I, I think just, you're like, right. Um, it, it was really just interesting to see you get into character and also just like... Tilly's um, not a twink. Tilly's a gremlin. <laughs> um, but it was interesting to just kind of see you get into the minds of a lawful character, but also like a lawful character that you wanted to play. I think like... With a lot of, like, lawful characters, they're hard to play because, like, people assume lawful good is, like, um, super nice, super chill, super, like, a uh, fun, yeah! happy-go-lucky yeah, no, character. Yeah, that's something I kind of wanted to talk about. You've mm -hmm. awakened this memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think because I saw Squiddy in the last campaign, who's a very textbook lawful good character, and I've always loved exploring how alignment is described in D&D. And the good is essentially the outcome, and the lawful chaotic is the means. And, you know, the laws in Hope's Landing are very strict, 
but they serve the good of the people. So anyone who enforces the laws of Pope's Landing is just about by definition lawful good. But if you look at Boondock, and if you have a certain view of the world, you would not call Boondock good. Yeah, no. Boondock has <laughs> murdered people. Uh, murdered, shot up murdered hands. several people um, underneath the the guise of the law. Yeah, shot off someone's hand. Uh, strangled monsters. <laughs> yeah, no, there's been. Yeah, you, you definitely played into the trope of like good is not nice. Um, where like yeah, Boondock plays into their own morality and like they're doing things for the greater good, but also like. They've done some not nice things. <laughs> yeah, because in, in Hope's Landing, because it was such a difficult to live in place, the consequence for large theft and murder, well, obviously murder, but, but large theft was execution. And Boondock took that to heart. And I think, I don't know if you've mentioned this, but Titus's dad <laughs> in, in Deep War was executed by Boondock and several other people. And, and Boondock knows, like, if you're breaking the law, the it, it happens right here, right now. And, like, even on that train, like, if Titus is threatening to murder Boondock, Boondock is going to take off that hand. Just eye for an eye. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Like, um, and we even straight up said, like, Boondock has a villain backstory, doesn't, don't they? Oh, yeah. Boondock, Boondock was, like, one bad decision from just straight up becoming a villain. Yeah. And they even I mean, have the black hat. Yeah, they, they have the black hat of every villain in the Western Coast, but, like, also in, like, three characters' views, like, the three assassins on the train, you were literally, like, the villain of their stories. Um, yeah. And that was really interesting to play around with, the idea of just, like, lawful and, like, good and morality, and, like, um, because, like, you know, again, you, you're very clearly lawful good, but also, like, twisting, uh, it just to make sure, like, um, I, it's lawful good with its arm pinned behind it, behind its back and pushing upwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, I guess we can uh, wrap things up then with just like, do you have any sort of like closing comments or overall thoughts on the arc? Your thoughts on like how Boondock has blossomed from their perfect little seed there? <laughs> perfect. Um, uh, did I miss any of the questions? Why, why did you make him so fucking tall? <laughs> yeah, okay. Real quick, why did you make him so tall? <laughs> um, that honestly, I think that was just part of the trope. That's fair. Because, you know, like, larger than life, quote-unquote, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll make that literal. I, I yeah. know in, like, every western, they always make sure that the protagonist is, like, the tallest dude. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they have to, like, pitch the camera for every shot. Mm. The Western trope just made just your brain rot. It would be fun. Um, every, every, every trope. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, Izzy, did you have any more questions? I guess? I don't want to spoil anything, so. At the end of this arc, where do you think Boondock's stances are with, every, like, the rest of the party? Like, the, the characters, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh... Let me write out everyone's names so I just tack an order and don't forget anyone. <laughs> There's only four other people in this party. I'm really stupid, Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, fuck. 
Did you misremember <laughs> someone? Okay. So, Juliet, um, Juliet, Ashton, Juliet's Morgan. probably. Oh, what was that? Over here. So, first off, Juliet. Yeah, not Juliet. Izzy. Um, Juliet's probably the most uh, pertinent of these. Boondog doesn't like Juliet. Boondog has a begrudging friendship with Juliet, but knows that she's important. And I guess before the cart ride out, which is probably the next thing that you guys are going to cover, yeah. Um, yeah. Boondock um, knows there's more to her. There's a, there's a reason why she acts the way she does. And that's just the lore keeper in Boondock being like, okay, there's there's definitely stuff behind this. Boondock thinks of her as young and naive, but good-hearted. That's fair. Even though she, like, you know, robbed your dad's grave, broke a law, <laughs> yeah. all the fun shit, you know. Um, moving on to hopefully an easier one, uh, Hops. Hops? You're skipping around my list, Shiva. Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? You, you fool. <laughs> um, honestly, Boondock kind of sees Hops as a pet, which sounds awful. Oh my god! <laughs> but, like, I guess she was really useful with, like, getting up to the top of the building and Phoenix Heart, and she has some interesting insights, but Boondock thinks she's there just to be there. And because, like, she was just kind of swept up into Hope's landing. Because they were sent out pretty fast and, like, just joined the group because she wanted to go on an adventure. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think they understand why Hops wants to go on an adventure, and I still don't think they do. But, um... Yeah, Boondock isn't in any... Boondock doesn't have parental instincts in any way, shape, or form. And isn't ready to teach a child anything. So, they just kind of either ignore Hops or interact with her on a weird pseudo-sibling level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let's go with Morgan. Morgan. Boondog absolutely adores Morgan. Boondock thinks of Morgan as a little brother. Mm-hmm. And, um, a little bit like is uh, a little bit like Juliet, um, thinks that he's young and naive, but has a really good heart, and, and really sees him as very impressionable, and needing, like, some guidance in life. But he, he's smart, and he's, he's well-trained, which is what Boondock likes. He knows what he's doing and knows how to get it done. Yeah. Um, and last but certainly not least, Essen. Essen. Ooh, I guess there's two parts of Essen that Boondog yeah. knows. There, there's like... And this is this is as of after Hope's Landing, so before the Giga Chad moves, if I may do this point. <laughs> <laughs> um... As Essen's personality alone, um, Boondock Boondock probably thought Essen was either, like, a researcher or a wizard at first. (laughs) See, that's what I thought, too. Yeah, because, like, Essen's abilities look kind of like spells. 
and have to play rogues. And he, he acts very kind of nerdy and researchy. So Boondock respects that. And, uh. We're out here calling S and a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boondock respects that and will, uh. Like, thinks of him as, like, a value part of the team because he can answer a lot of social questions. Because he, do he does know quite a bit of, like, lore about. General lore about the larger area of Odyssea. Mm -hmm. Um, but he really doesn't know Essen personally too well at that point. He's super sus because of the Kirin. <laughs> but Boondock doesn't really know why that all happened or how that all happened. Mm. I think I think at this point they're just kind of assuming that there's some sort of like curse or possession happening. But, um, Boondock is extremely wary of the Kirin. Uh, I guess they respect their, in like, its intelligence and drive, but that respect only extends to the point where the Kirin respects their laws, because I think the Kirin is lawful neutral, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're both- both of them are extremely hardline lawful, and Boondock essentially laid out the law for this thing. I will respect your laws if you respect my laws and their stance. And I think that's where they've attained a mutual respect. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's- it's a very legalistic relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think oh, that's man. everything. Yep. Um... Is he, do you have any more questions, then? Nope. Nope. Alright, um, yeah. Elliot, do you have any closing thoughts, then? <laughs> um, I love this campaign. It's great. She even really makes us think. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love D&D, especially 5e being a kind of, like, rules light, but has enough rules for you to know what to do in every yeah. situation. Mm -hmm. As a vehicle for roleplay. And honestly, like, if I may become a little meta here, as it's- I've noticed D&D get popular and it's now just the replacement for forum roleplay. Yeah! <laughs> Every shameful closeted forum roleplayer now plays D&D. <laughs> Someone said this opinion earlier, uh, Westmarch's servers, where you basically don't roll dice, are basically just like, um, roleplay servers, but you don't want to say you're in a roleplay server. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. No, that, yeah, no. And being one of those people myself, uh, I will throw everyone else under the bus with me. Yeah. <laughs> Look at them. <laughs> fools. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, thank you so, so much for joining us and uh, saying all of your thoughts on this. It's been really, really great. Um, yeah, thank you. This is fun. Can I plug my uh, social media? Yeah, no, please do. And your uh, Boondock Hell, Simp yeah. blog. <laughs> my my Boondock Simp blog. I have an Instagram. It's called Blog Doc, spelled <laughs> exactly how you think it is. And I post art, which includes all of the Boondock art and some other D and D stuff I'm in, and some game development stuff I'm working on. That's on my Tumblr, and it's 
brainworms, spelled B-R-A-N-E-W-O-R-M-S. Thank you for letting me plug. Uh, You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Alright, so here we are uh, back again talking about what actually happened in the episode after that uh, whole big interview with Elliot. Uh, Again, thanks to Shouts Tim for joining us. Um, But yeah, so... (laughs) um, as the party kind of, like, uh, went out in uh, from Hope's Landing, I believe this is the point where we had our backstory done, so, um, yeah, Izzy, if you want to kind of explain uh, a little bit of how the party, like, came to kind of explaining their backstories? Yeah, so basically, Boondock was like, well, since, uh, since I'm joining all of you with this whole, like, Legion thing, I feel like it's fair for you guys to know why I am the way I am, and um, as Elliot explained, basically he had to drag their dead dad three miles in that fucking desert and we're like, uh, what the fuck? Okay. Um, yeah. I will also note, um, Elliot didn't actually explain this part of the backstory to me either. That was also a surprise to me with you guys. Oh shit. <laughs> he, just, he, he just fucking dropped that on me, huh? <laughs> All of us sad. Ouch. Okay. Um. Nice. And then I Essen went next. Like, okay, if we're gonna start spilling backstories, Essen didn't really say that much. Um. Yeah, I think he just it was explained. Mainly... I'm sorry. Go um, ahead. Yeah, I think he just kind of explained that he was from uh, a city called Lenore, which is basically like the city of the gods. Um. And he kind of just like uh, explained a little bit about like um. How, like, when he was young, basically, uh, he wasn't allowed to see his mother anymore after a certain time because he got brought up to God knows where to do God knows what. Um, but he, he was, like, uh, some kind of, like, a uh, person, um, in, in that town. Uh, and he was assigned for something, but kept the details vague. <laughs> yeah. With, with Essence's yeah. backstory, like, um, the, the player's been keeping it kind of, like, uh, a little, little bit secretive where like the all the backstory is actually like there and pretty much explained but just like the actual nitty-gritty details of what exactly happened is still secret <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and then <laughs> i think it was juliet's turn next wasn't it <sighs> so she was like all right we're telling fucking secrets and i'll tell you mine my name's actually not Juliet. And then fucking Boondock's like, oh my god, that arrest warrant was null and void because it's not my not a real thing. You know, technically speaking, that's fraud. It is fraud. It is indeed fraud. But I'm not the sheriff anymore. <laughs> um, so Juliet's real name is Bliss. Bliss Hayjunk. And they're like, what the fuck? And then Essen immediately, right after that, just <laughs> immediately is like, Essen's my third name. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, damn, all of you guys get to do dramatic backstory reveals, and everyone's like, oh, get shit on Juliet, fuck you. Yeah. I, was like, I fucking oh. love that Essen felt like he had to one up you. <laughs> when doesn't it was Essen so fucking one up me, okay? Seriously. <laughs> But Essen's just like, yeah, it's my third name. Get fucked, idiot. Yeah, like, thanks, <laughs> Love that guys. last part, but... <laughs> then Boondock immediately chimes in and just like, Boondock's Boondock. my name. Just the one. Morgan immediately chimes in afterwards. Hi, I'm Morgan. Hop's just vibing. 
Yeah, pops is vibing in her barrel. Yeah. At this point, like, Julia and Izzy are both getting more flustered. She's like, please, can I just, like, can I speak my truth here? Can I explain my traumatic backstory at you guys if you wouldn't mind? And they're like, ah, <laughs> memes. I'm like, thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And no, it just gets worse from here, too. Because I was like, yeah, I'm a runaway princess. And they're like, oh, that makes fucking sense. I'm like, what the fuck do yeah. you mean that makes fucking sense? <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of like, oh. And then Essen just like, ah, oh, that's why you say, like, damsel a lot and stuff like that. You don't want to be that. And then, like, you were like, okay, first of all, it's true, but also, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's all they got from me, because I was like, well, fuck you guys. I'll just sit and drink. <laughs> so Juliet starts pouting and drinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Essen goes into a bit more detail about uh, his backstory and kind of just like um, explains they used to hold like a position of power in their city. I don't remember if this was the exact moment they said that they were a general in the city, but I, I believe it was. It might have been a bit later. <laughs> um, yeah. And. <laughs> Uh, after Essen explained, I believe, like, Julia kind of explained that, too, like, um, oh, yeah, no, um, my, my hometown was, was absolute fucking shit, I, I hated my mom, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to explain the, the exact statement you said? <laughs> I don't even remember the exact statement I said. I said my mom was a shithead, I think. I don't remember yeah. what I said, I'm gonna be honest. Oh. There, there wasn't any, like, fun things to do in your village. There was, oh. like, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> There, there's no bars, there's no brothels, brothels, and hops immediately, immediately as soon as you said the word, word brothel, turns to you, Juliet, and says, what's a brothel? <laughs> what's a brothel? And fucking Essen, before I said a goddamn word, Essen covered my mouth and was like, nothing important, they're boring, nothing. Yeah. Boondock chimed in and said it was soup, and then Morgan yeah. was like, it's a place where people fuck. Yes! <laughs> I was like, Hops, oh my god. Hops looked at, like, directly at Morgan and is like, what, what do your eyes tell me, Morgan? And Morgan just immediately was just like, yeah, brothels are places where people fuck. I <laughs> lost my shit, dude. It was so fucking funny. Everyone started losing their goddamn minds, and at that point, just like, as Hops immediately was like, wait, I know where, what that is. My mom told me that you're going to get tadpoles if you do that. You shouldn't do that. Making all of us, like, bust out even fucking more because we didn't know what the fuck was going to come out of her mouth. Oh, my fucking God. It was so good. So yeah. good. So Hops fucking, like, crosses her arms and just like, no, no tadpoles. You can't. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My mom it. was ruined by all of her tadpoles. <laughs> she, said, she said something like that, didn't she? Like, my mom used to be, like, so like full she, of life. Yeah, I was gonna say, she's not the, she wasn't the frog I like, like she, she could have been because of all these tadpoles yeah. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so god, good. it was... Yeah, it was the stupidest scene. As you guys just, like, started fucking, like, buzzing out laughing after that, you guys continue on into the desert um yeah you guys continue on for a day and then like have a nice little like camp out um, <laughs> yeah um everyone there's takes never their such a nice like little that. camp out shiva unless you don't Honestly. have something planned <laughs> even the ones where i don't have something planned you guys are just like panicked and on your guard and just like no i know you said my perception check doesn't reveal anything but what if i check things anyways <laughs> 
yeah, um, yeah. I wonder how we are like that now, Shivam. That's wow, it's weird. Wow. Um, yeah, so um, we, we go through like the order and like the first person camping out like um, fills the perception check and like Boon, I think it was Boondock and they said like, yeah, nope, you have no idea how long it's been since you've looked at the horizon, but as far as you know, nothing bad has happened. Um, I think like Morgan or Juliet, or no, not Juliet was passed out, so it was Morgan next. Morgan also fails immediately. I'm like, okay, as far as you all know, it's also chilling good and fine. Everything's fine. Um, and then Essen went. And Essen also failed their perception roll. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this just feels bad for you guys, but at least the thing uh, it was based on wasn't based on the perception checks. Um, because I then told Essen to roll me a constitution saving throw. Um, and of course the party's in just like full alert at this point, like, holy shit, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. <laughs> um, Essen rolls a constitution saving throw, fails, and I describe as... Um, they begin to cough up blood and lose a d4 of their maximum health. Um, which was one. A whole which one. Which was only one, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, they, they basically just kind of like felt this horrible uh, thing in their mind where it's just like, it felt like um, something was ripping Essen and the Kirin apart. Um, and like uh, something was just like a... Um, clearly not right as they're like coughing and just like sputtering out blood um mm -hmm. pretty much all the party except for julia at this point uh wakes up and like uh they're kind of just like trying to figure out what the hell is happening um they they try to heal essen but like as they heal essen like it, it the, the pain fades for like a second before like it immediately starts like coughing up blood again um eventually they wake up Juliet, but um as soon as Juliet's kind of woken up it's been like five minutes at this point and they are slowly beginning to stop like coughing and like uh sputtering out blood Mm -hmm. Um, as they're just kind of, like, lying, uh, staring at the fucking sand, just, like, all the blood they, uh, coughed out. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> I think then, at this point, you had an idea, if you want to explain. I honestly had no fucking idea what the hell was going on. I was like, why the fuck is this happening? Like, okay, weirdo, why you coughing blood, but whatever. <laughs> Um, so at that point I asked you, I'm like, hey, is there any way I can, like, you know, go into the spirit world, like, fucking Avatar The Last Airbender and talk to the Kieran and see what the fuck's going on? You're like, yeah, sure, yeah. I guess. This is absolutely out of fucking left field, had no, like, plans or intentions for this whatsoever. I'm like, okay, sure, because my intention was, like, um, uh, mysterious illness for now, and then when you guys get into Soliana, you eventually schedule Essen to, like, a proper doctor's appointment, and the doctor explains, like, what I was going to reveal. But no, I mean, like, you guys have sped up things a little bit here. <laughs> Julia um, is now a doctor. Yeah. So you head into the spirit realm, and, like, uh, you tap basically into Essen's mind medi meditating with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you do, you basically kind of look up into this giant, like, a uh, tree in Essen's mind. Um, and as you look into the tree, there seems to be, like, uh, the Kirin who is sitting inside of there. Um, and you are currently, like, in your, like, full, like, fox form, right? Yes. So, mm -hmm. her kitsune form is, like, an actual, like, giant fox that's, that's, like, all red and has, like, white markings on it. And, um, she only has one tail because she's only 122, 23, something like that. So, every hundred years, uh, she gains a tail. Um, and I, I remember, uh, the, uh, Essence player describing 
where we were like this huge tree you couldn't see the top you couldn't see the bottom like these giant branches and there was the Kieran just chilling in one of the branches but like was bleeding profusely and I was like um yo what the fuck what's happening <laughs> yeah so you kind of rolled like um some arcana checks there and then end up like succeeding on them and uh you kind of figured out like oh shit um what apparently is happening here is that like um every kind of like a uh, person has like a well of life force that they have um and as people like progress through their lives like that well of life force just begins to slowly like run out what's currently happening with the with Essen and the Karen is that the the two of them are both like um consuming life force meant for like just one person um so effectively like um Essen's life force is burning out extremely quickly um and from what you were able to tell, um, if this keeps going linearly and, like, um, the Essen and the Kirin just, like, uh, continue to, um, consume their life force at the same rate, um, Essen might only have eight months to live, tops. However, yeah. if things go bad and, like, Essen keeps using the Kirin form and, like, uh, more of the Kirin powers and abilities, um, it's going to keep like consuming life force more and more quickly and Essen at that point might only have two months to live and if it's all strenuous activity mm -hmm. um, and I immediately was thinking the worst I'm like oh my god he only has two months to live there's no fucking way um so I DM'd you I'm like I have an idea so yes. in Japanese culture well in Asian culture I should say I'm not sure if it's just strictly Japanese cutting your hair is a symbolism of leaving your old life behind. Like, you are starting a new... Um, this is your new life. Well, I thought, hey, if I cut off my hair and gave it to the Kieran, would I give him half of my life force? Yeah. And you and were like, what the fuck? Yes, because again, never in a million years would I have, like, <laughs> expected this. But, like... I have to let you try, clearly, because that's so fucking good and so fucking <laughs> insane. Especially just because, like, in, in the last, like, uh, episode, um, Juliet's just been spiraling. Just mm -hmm. absolutely nonstop. Bad decision after bad decision after argument. It's, it's not been a good day for her. Um, mm -hmm. but, like... Just this one tiny thing that, well, I guess not t one one big thing that she can do to like redeem herself. I mean, it was it would be such like a poignant moment for Juliet to kind of show like she's a dumbass and a shitty person sometimes, but like when it really comes down to it, like she's a person people can rely on. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think she did it just to prove to not only herself but to everybody else, like, look, I can do good. I'm not just here to fuck everything up. Like, I want to help. But she just... She's she's just bad at showing how she can help. Like, she puts her skills in the wrong places sometimes. But, like, she's been learning, like, from day one. Like, where she can finally put her skills in the right places. Yeah. And so I absolutely love about Juliet's arc so far is that, like... As you, like, progress through the campaign, like... There's a very clear difference from Juliet's session one to Juliet now. Where, like... Juliet's shown a lot more maturity compared to, like, Session 1 Juliet. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, split up. Nah, I'll just go right here. 
<laughs> Relatively. But anyway. Relatively. Um, you know, you know. We're getting there. We're getting, we're getting there. there. Um. <laughs> but um. when this happened, I you were like, you know there's going to be fucking consequences in this, right? And I was like, yep, I want to do it. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, I'm fully making sure that Izzy knew, like, this could have some, like, ridiculously serious consequences to it. Um, I, I allowed her to go through with it, and the Kieran and Essen took half of Juliet's life force. Which um, is 500 years, by the way, because Kitsune lived for about a thousand years, and then they can ascend into godhood. Um, yeah. And so it kind of explained to you, like, yes, this is very good, but, like, um, it's not a direct one-to-one -one transfer because, like, um, someone else can't necessarily just use, like, your life energy because your life energy is made for you. Um, so you effectively gave Essen, um, a handful of years. Um, it could be, it's now a maximum of five years if it's, uh, that same linear path. Um, it could be as short as the, like, um, one or two years, though, if Essen's, like, extremely, uh, going through extremely strenuous, um, energy usage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah. <laughs> at that point, Kieran was like, um, what? And I was like, just, just take it for Essen, not you. I don't give a shit about you. Because <laughs> I stabbed you, bro. Like, <laughs> And then and Kieran fucking bowed to you in respect. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, hell yeah, me and Boondock fucking getting the Kieran's respect one by one. And then when she opened her eyes and came to, uh, she looked like shit. And she also had a haircut. And Boondock and Morgan were like, um, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> I was like, hey, I needed a haircut. So. Cool. <laughs> um, and then Essen also asked Kieran, like, what the fuck did she just do? And I was like, better not say a goddamn word and the Karen is like just just know that you should keep her close and that was all he said I think um no actually he very specifically said um the yeah so like Essen very specifically asked um was the price she paid would I not want her to pay that price oh. and the Essen very specific or sorry the Karen very specifically said um the I can assure you that the price that um if if Juliet hadn't gone through with this you would cause her infinitely more grief than um, if Juliet hadn't gone through with this. I can assure you that, like, you, you wanted Juliet to kind of go through with this because otherwise you're just going to be causing her so much heartache. Um, and so Essen kind of accepted that as an answer, but just, like, was still kind of sketched out about that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a kind of, like, oh shit moment for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um... And I think that was the point, though, where, like, Essen kind of realized, like, when Karen said, like, keep her close, um, I, because, like, Essen originally kind of thought, like, well, the, she's a very, like, close friend of mine, and, like, maybe, like, there could be something else, um, I think that's the first one where Essen starts to think of, like, I, if I can marry this girl, or, like, if I can just, like, maintain friendship with her for, like, a lifetime, I will do so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, no, so it was just like a ridiculously sweet moment that came out of absolutely fucking nowhere, which is why I just appreciate you guys so much for just like <laughs> tossing out these weird, strange ideas because like I would never have expected that like Juliet, like, um, 
I, I didn't expect it to be such a mechanic where, like, Juliet can tap into the spirit realm and, like, understand these, like, things with it and kind of manipulate magic in order to, like, uh, talk to spirits and stuff, but, like, mm -hmm. it's it, it slowly become that because, like, you, you have a higher arcana score and you can manipulate magic in that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it kind of makes sense because she is a Kitsune, and not only a Kitsune, but a phantom rogue, which has to deal with, like, spirits and shit, and I was like, you know what, this would make sense because Kitsune are, like, trickster gods who can like go from like realm to realm you know as like messengers and stuff so i'm like this makes sense yeah no um it, it was really nice i really enjoyed that um yeah so after that point i believe juliet then kind of stumbled off with hops trying to just like get some air as um as some kind of looked onwards and i believe that's kind of where we decided to end that well, session because he also he also mentioned to boondark which i think was really cool was if it ever came between him or Juliet to save one of them, to save Juliet, and Boondark was like, what the fuck, no, we're saving everyone, who are you, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, Boondark kind of said, like, uh, it won't come to that, but, like, mm -hmm. did Essen, like, press uh, Boondark anymore about that, or? I think Essen knew Boondark had such a strong resolve that he just kind of didn't argue with him after that. He was just like, okay, I I will believe you for now, but just in case things happen. But I was like, nope, okay, we're gonna go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so then everyone passed out because it's been a bit of a trying night with a lot of things happening. <laughs> mm. So what my consequences were, I had negative one of my constitution well a minus one of my constitution which made it zero um three yeah, levels of exhaustion um the minus one in constitution made your zero a negative one so like, oh you're right your you're health right, yeah. was extremely low like yeah there was a lot squishy of monsters that could one tap you even yeah. squishier <laughs> mm. yeah oops um three levels of exhaustion my health was super fucking low now uh yeah i was fucked over but it's fine. Yeah. Now Essence is like... Mm-hmm. Kind of. <laughs> but yeah, no, just... Holy shit, um... Because, like, uh, I even, like, uh, mentioned the consequences, too. Like, it's also gameplay consequences, like, minus one constitution, like, the big levels of exhaustion there. Like, absolutely sure you want to go through it, and then you were just like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like, what, what was in your mind as a player where you were, like absolutely even if there's like gameplay consequences and like it could ruin my character or even like get Juliet killed um what was going through your mind where you're like absolutely I'll sacrifice that I when I am like role-playing as Juliet or I'm thinking in Juliet's like mindset I'm not mm -hmm. thinking gameplay mechanics I'm really not I'm thinking what would she do in this like if after this huge spiral of turmoil and bad decisions and Pretty, she pretty much thought everybody kind of hated her for doing all of that shit. What would something she could do to like prove to them, look, I I can be good. I'm not a bad person. That would be it. Like, and what's what's a really sad thought too is ever since she left her home, she never really thought that she could live up to anything anyway. Like, she didn't think that her life was worth anything to anybody until she met them and Cass. But Cass is the only exception, but, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just thought it was super interesting, too, because, like, um, 
it, you got so into the roleplay that like there was uh, in-game consequences for this, um, but like you were totally fine with accepting them because the and the only reason the the only like reward you would get out of this is good roleplay. Like, yep. it was literally just an in-character decision, because I straight up also kind of just, like, said, like, hey, um, this is a very good moment, but I, I also just want you to know, like, I'm not gonna, like, I'm going to give Essen a chance to, like, um, do things about that short lifespan before they, like, reach I mean, Essen's not just gonna die of Up life and die, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you said, like, yeah, no, I know about that, but, like, still just in the moment as this character, Juliet would not do anything else besides that. And so I said, mm -hmm. yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, even looking back at it, I'm, like, trying to think, how would I even do that differently? I don't think I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's there's <laughs> no way that she would have done that differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> kind of threw a, a couple of my plans into the air, but, like... Wow, they it's like, that's working. my job, Shiva. <laughs> but it worked out, uh, because, like, we we, we we got our interesting moments out of there. Um, but yeah, um, anything else you want to talk about uh, related to Guardian this episode, and especially the big decision there? Or? Nah, down the road, this has consequences. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of liked how this happened, too, because it really gave us, like, a a different thing to work with with Juliet with tapping into the spirit world like later on in the episodes it'll explain like the stupid eye eye shits that we meet fuckers um I still don't like them uh <laughs> more like things to deal with like with the Kitsune race like I didn't really know what to what to use for like this Kitsune homebrew like what kind of mm. things I could pull from like different like you know, anime I've seen, or, like, Japanese lore I've read up on. Like, I didn't know really what to pick and choose from, but, like, this I feel felt right, especially because she's, like, yeah. a phantom rogue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very good niche for you to, like, fall into in the party, is um, mm -hmm. being able to like, figure out these things with the spirit realm, and, like, it gives me so many more, like, plot hooks to work with, because, like, oh, if yeah. I start doing, like, spooky things with that, you guys, y you especially can investigate, like, not just as, like, a, your perspective, but also, like, as a kitsune, you might have, like, more insight onto these things, and I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Um... So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in to, uh, another episode. Um, yeah, so, I believe at, at this point, our Draw Senior Styles should be over by the time this, uh, episode comes out, but, uh, uh, besides that, um, we still have our Patreon linked in the description. Um, we are also keeping on doing our, uh, recap episodes, too. Those are gonna be coming out, like, every Wednesday or so. We're, um... Our new like narrator for that it's it's super super good uh really proud of those um make sure to check out uh elliot stuff also linked in the description on youtube um but yeah do you have uh anything else uh hot springs episode next heck yeah okay and we're all still sus of shiva that's it phoenix chat let's go 